Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part Chepe Space, Lunk Dao. Who are they really? Let's take a listen. Yeah, but also, yeah, I, I, I totally get your point, but also, I don't want to also just, uh, forget that maybe what happened with the Luna is pretty, is pretty new for the crypto history, right? And such a such a debug and uh, such events and also trying to repeg after five months and the level that we are that's i think that's also kind of pretty new to the to the to the link to the crypto history stuff or the new to the history so i think this all is part of the experience that we are dealing with and from my personal opinion i see it's typically normal you know it's, it's typically normal that we're gonna see stuff that we didn't see before and um we're gonna see people that uh, they are coming with 10 bucks 100 bucks and they are really fighting that they wish that one day uh Loon can go back to 100 120 dollars and they can be a one day millionaires right 50 millionaires and this is the thing that until the link is ready and the d app and the utility and the, the apps are coming and then people starting to regain the trust and everything then i think this part will little bit go down Time by time, and also, also something also Bruce mentioned that about uh, having someone or some group to lead. I also understand that people also is looking forward to in this, and by the more those group that or the persons who are gonna take the lead, also the more they're gonna generate some hate or they're gonna generate some other stuff, and those other people coming from the other side, they're gonna create more fun. So I think it's kind of it's kind of all in the same scale, you know. You have it depends on which view are you, you are viewing this matter. So, yeah, that was my view. Oh, Sefi, go on. I think he's uh, <laughs> yeah, Bruce. He raises his hand when he has a phone call sometimes. Uh, Bruce, I saw um, that you are also validating for other chains, right? Um, so I was wondering what is your future strategy? Are you um reaching out to as many other chances as possible strategy wise or are you committed with luna classic or and you want to reinvest your uh earnings into this chain you mean earnings from different chains into luna classic yeah maybe yeah maybe that's that's an interesting question as well no i, I think it depends entirely who the stakers are Right, so um, we started an Atom validator, but I'm not entirely sure who's staking with us because we also know a lot of people um, throughout the cosmos. Like, typically, a lot of the, a lot of the staking um, delegations come from big whales and people like that, and many of them aren't uh, Luna Classic investors or, or whatever. So, like, 
from my perspective, you can do a lot with staking rewards and things like that. Um, providing you're making them, because there's a lot of a lower, there's a lot of. A, you still got a phone call, Sophie? I uh, just I just jumped you. back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I had a no, hospital like, call. Okay. Um, yeah, like I think it depends who these stakers are, because it's it's like it's their money um, earning the rewards. Uh, also, with Atom, there's just a lot lower, um, a lot lower level of rewards. Like I'm not sure, but I think we're only just above breaking even right now. Um, so it's not really making much. And then beyond that, we've got to, we've got to survey what people want to be done with the the rewards because, um, there's a high chance that almost none of them have, have Luna classic. Um, in which case it's kind of like, uh, we but, want but when IDC channels reopen, that would be a possibility, right? Or yeah. then do you, do you reinvest or do you plan on reinvesting the, the earnings from other chains? Uh, validated notes uh, into these chains, or do you want to put them into Luna Classic? Um, <clears throat> not, not a hundred percent sure yet. Like a lot of the the well, we've been basically burning like ninety percent of our our money since the start. I think it's gone down a little bit because of um, variability and paying for costs and trying to build things and whatever else. Um, but the majority has gone to to burning since the beginning, um, and then also more lately. You know, firing up new validator nodes, kind of bootstrapping them, delegating a little bit to ourselves, stuff like that. It all takes it all takes money. But I think ultimately, like if we expand to ten different chains, then we're going to try and let what becomes of each yield on each chain be up to the individual stakers, because there's not as much overlap as I hoped. Like I'll give you an example when I, when I started the when I started the Luna validator and started burning Lunk, I imagined right at the beginning that there would be a big overlap. But it turned out that about 98% um, of Lunk investors simply don't have Luna. There's no connection at all, which is quite interesting. Um, like the, the Luna investors are people who were wrecked, and they lost the entirety of their net worth. So they moved on to Luna, and you know a few of them moved on to different chains like um, Kujira and other ones they got airdrops on, or maybe uh, you know different Cosmos chains. and Almost about 98% of the, the Lunk investors were just new retail investors that came after the crash. They saw an opportunity. You know, they invested, I think I did a few surveys and things. They invested a couple hundred dollars on average. There's like one of the interesting um, things about Lunk is like the investors are generally like, uh, there's a huge amount of investors, but most of them are quite small investors. Um, but like the interesting thing for me starting the, the Lunar Validator burning Lunk was that almost none of the... Almost none of the the Lunk investors had Luna. Like I was hoping there would be something like a flywheel, right? Whereby um, there was a kind of a, a sharing of people between the two communities. Like a lot of the old Luna people supported Lunk, and a lot of the Lunk people were maybe supportive of Luna. And by that happening, people would get enthusiastic about the burn and maybe stake more, um, and we'd be able to burn more and become like kind of a flywheel where it helped everyone. Uh, but in reality. Just nobody cared about Luna at all, which is quite funny. And we got no more stakers at all. Uh, the the only stakers we got for Luna were really big whales we knew. Like it was it was whales and old community members who I messaged and uh, you know persuaded to stake with us and sold the vision and stuff like that. But the actual people in in the Lunk community who were benefiting from the burning, none of them staked except like very few. I think uh, maybe Mavericks down here and and one or two others. 
but almost nobody. Like there's there's almost no overlap at all between the two and, communities. And, and another thing is too, after even after all of the trouble discussing burning and this and that, right? The number of validators on the classic that committed to actually burning some fraction, even like one percent or something like that. Like let's say everyone committed that, right? It would have a stronger meme effect. Like, hey, everybody's burning, and like this is part of the thing, and like, and then all of the validators would advertise that they're burning, and it creates more of an more of a thing. But if just one validator burns, it's like you're just this lone candle in this, like, yeah. you know, in this uh, darkness. You know what, it doesn't make sense. You know what really sucks is the fact that, um, so staking was re-enabled, I think, like almost two months ago now. And we had been burning for about four months solidly, investing like the entirety of our profits to to burn Lunk from um, the the Lunar Validator, burning more and more and more and more. And then uh, staking was re-enabled, and suddenly out of the blue, like a load of these new validators turned up who hadn't been involved at all, uh, and started up their you know their their validator nodes, or maybe kind of re-emphasized that people could stake with them or whatever, and they got the majority of staking you know we we have quite a small share now we only have about i think it's like seven percent sefi or maybe even six percent it's in that range um and and you know we're the the only people who've been burning right from the beginning trying to push the whole narrative of the burn um investing almost the entirety of our profits since the very beginning but yeah, it, turns- it, it goes to show you though that most people don't have any idea what's like what they're doing, why they're doing it. They just sort of push buttons on the computer, right? Like yep. they have no idea. And like these narratives are very hard to push for one validator alone. It's just very difficult. Like I, yep. I don't even know how you do it except to sort of like create like a Twitter following or something like that, or maybe yep. some kind of YouTube following. Like I think classic. Yeah, Bruce, how, much, how, how many billions do you have stake with your validator now? Uh, I don't know. I think it's like 60. It's not high. I think all nodes has like. Oh man, we we need to break. We we're gonna break even at ten billions, and we're we're at one billion now. So well, it's it's just a funny thing because like we've been donating like the almost the entirety of our profits since the very beginning. Um, but yeah, like nobody really cares, and even now we're still burning. I think like I think it's something in the range of five thousand dollars worth. Uh, something like that. I, I can't remember. It depends on the price of lunk. But something like. Four or five thousand dollars worth of lung every week, like again and again and again, um, and people are undelegating. <laughs> like that's the reward. Uh, there's no flywheel effect at all. People just don't give a fuck. Like it's 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 quite interesting. Like we're we're continuing to do it because we said we'd do it. Um, but it's like it's of no benefit really. Anymore. And like you said before, as like if you want to go into the validator thing, there's nothing specific about the lunk down name that automatically resonates on, say, for example, Kajira or Adam or something. So. That's another interesting uh, issue with like how you name a validator if you're going to be on multiple chains. Yeah, I've kind of kept it just as like an ode to how we started and who we are and stuff like that. It doesn't imply that because I think the you know I'm all about like fairness and reasonableness and things. I think it's fair to let your stakers on each chain decide what happens to the yield um, because it's their money. You know, it's it's their where they're choosing to delegate. It's where they're choosing to trust. Um, you with their money, you know, they hope that, you know, for instance, somebody could delegate money with anyone. They could delegate it with Danku. They could delegate it with, you know, some random um, Atom validator. They could delegate it with Qcoin or whoever else. The There's the hope that the, the, the choice is down to trust and also the hope is down to like 
what you'll do with it. Are you contributing? Are you doing educational spaces? Are you building? Are you doing all these things? Um, if you're a person who helps with the ecosystem, then then great. Like it's it's better to delegate with you. But ultimately, it's like a choice to put the money there. So it's also a choice for the stakers themselves. What happens to it? But yeah, that's yeah, like, true. True. Good, good I, question. I, I, like, who is who is controlling or who is monitoring uh, whether all these validated nodes that are coming on board and saying that they're burning um, at a at a certain percentage that they're actually burning that amount? Who is who's who's checking that? I don't know. Like, I've um, I just have stopped tracking because there's so many fucking people now. <laughs> like, you, you know, Bruce. Uh, one thing that maybe is needed is like. Uh, like a web page. Remember, Spark, Smart Stake used to do this for Luna. I don't know if they still do it now for yeah. Luna Classic. But one of the nice things was, remember, we very, very frequently used to, uh, like, we used to tweet out the the burn, the you know, the, the most recent sort of like burns for the day or month or something. And oh, there is. There's Lunk Penguins, the, you know, Happy Catty Crypto. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. He, um, he and I think the guy is called Strathclyde. Remind me, I think that's something yeah. that I can't every, Like what every chain must have, like must have, like I, in my opinion, after seeing that is, you, and, and like no one ever does this, is you have to have a share button on your pages, a page somewhere that has like interesting metrics, whether they're, I don't know, like the new number of wallets on the chain, like wallet yep. growth numbers, these types of numbers. And you need a share button that allows you to easily tweet that information out. Because a lot of times community members or people that just want to like, just like, you know, shill or whatever it is that they're doing, they want to just push a button and they want to be able to like post this somewhere. And right now, like, uh, like most sites, um, most chains, most projects don't have this. And it's like, you know, unless you're going to, you know, like look up top here, like the Cosmos Daily people did like a neat little graphic, you know, and like created something like the need to have to have a, like a professional, like graphic designer or some shit, put that together um, is just silly considering how many people are just looking for stuff to post. Um, it's, it's like a, you're just not utilizing the community sufficiently when you don't have these kinds of quick things that you can go to the site and post. Like, I think it's something that probably NFT projects need. It's probably something that everybody needs. Like you just go click a button, you hit share, you go, oh, look, I bought this NFT. Or, hey, look, uh, I've got, uh, you know, uh, look, look at the metrics on the Stargaze marketplace. Look how it's you know thriving or something like that. Or, um, yeah, burn mechanism or some, something along those lines. Or maybe, um, you know, like look how many uh, private transactions happened on Secret Network and you know so like every chain has to decide like what is their thing and like what would be like why did your users come like what is the ethos and what could i create shareable that helps them share that ethos with the rest of the world and um that's a i think it's just an important kind of feature that almost nobody is using um like lunar crush allows you to sort of like maybe screenshot you know certain elements but those people ended up having um, you have to like pay, like you have to buy a whole bunch of like Lunar Crush tokens or whatever the hell they're called in order to like use their page. So a lot of the metrics they used to give away for free, they're using it for like um, their coin. And um, and I guess I could spend it and do it. But like the average person is not going to have like this a newbie 
is going to go under there. They're not going to be able to share as much anymore. So you'll notice like this year, you don't see anywhere near as much shared information from Lunar Crush as there was before. And I think that was like, to some extent, a detriment to the people like marketing Lunar Crush itself, because like people used to share links to Lunar Crush and this and that, and you don't see that anymore at all. Um, and, and so that shareability um, is like a key piece of Web3, Web2, like um, to sort of induce virality in a sense. And I, I don't think we have that. Um to the extent that we should like there's also a question of like cross posting too you can uh, like if you have the proper application you should be able to like cross post to like let's say you post something to stock twits reddit and to twitter all at the same time um that can be a very useful um useful tool as well to get maximum exposure so um yeah you you don't have very many like this is like a like a, the idea is like almost like a pro shiller kind of idea but it becomes almost a marketing job but but community members can do that stuff if they want. It's like, you know, you're sort of like sharing interesting info and this and that about your chain. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I think, um, I, I, you know, I think like one of the reasons as well, like I've kind of, um, I've pushed for the value of, of Luna to the Lung communities because of all the building there. Right. Like, so with Luna, you have, I think the, the community pool is like 300 um, million Luna's worth. Is that right, Sefi? Something in that order, like pretty big. Um, and then all of the, the allocation to the devs and the emergency allocation, all the building there and TFL and whoever else. Um, if, if even a small fraction of that can deploy as well on Lunk, like that is a narrative of itself. Like if some of the cool apps that TFL or whoever are building now, um, can deploy on Lunk if it reaches parity. Like there can be a lot of hype around that as well, I think. Like just, it's kind of like new toys. Like uh, any community wants new stuff to play with. Like they, they wanna log on to their computer and they wanna see like a new thing has been released to play with and they wanna play with it, they wanna interact with it, they wanna put a bit of money into it, they wanna work out like the ways you can make money with the thing um, and whatever else. So I think like, I don't know. I think that that's a bit of a waste as well. Like the general com kind of community attitude right now, um, being anti uh, other chains. Like for me, I think that's one of the biggest keys. Like you can. Yeah, this could have been the like the Gemini twins, like the twin chains, and like there's all these like interesting connections and weird tokenomics and DeFi games and shit you can play. But instead, yeah. it became like the some sort of weird us versus them argument, which is very well, strange considering like the people that got wrecked on Terra version one are not the ones on Terra Classic necessarily like the ones, oh, I hate Dale Kwan and I hate TFL and all this other business. It's just a weird ethos. I don't, it doesn't make sense at all. It's just such a low, a low average level of understanding. And like even now, despite posting about this kind of thing for, I don't know, like almost six months now, um, it remains very, very low, uh, which is sad because I think it's one of the major keys. Like one of the major obstacles for Lunk is that there are almost no builders. Um, except, you know, some people making different NFTs and a couple games and, and whatever else. But, but generally it's, it's quite, quite devoid of any major builders. And if you can just, uh, take those, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and, and, uh, long-term experienced devs and, and solidified teams on another chain that is almost exactly comparable, uh, and just kind of transplant them such that the devs can deploy the same apps and benefit from all of the volume on Lunk while also providing new toys for the Lunk community. That's that's like a magnificent thing. It's like a cheat code. You suddenly don't have to attract 
you know, all, all the devs to build here. You can just like clone it. Um, it it's, it's like getting $100 million for free, essentially. Like, like otherwise, you'd have to attract new teams and um, somehow convince them to build here. And, you know, teams have a million choices. Um, you know, if they're not incentivized by, by money or whatever, uh, it's just an uphill struggle. So to benefit from something that's happening already is massive. Yeah, like the, the ability to keep the sort of like market cap of Luna Classic, for example, if you can keep it like consistently above like 2 billion, you know, you stay in the crypto top 100 and things like that then, you know, you can probably attract developers, especially if the chain works fully and is fully upgraded and everything. So I think there's opportunity there. Um, but like this idea that time is not of the essence is just simply not true. Like it's like uh, in tech, you know, like, you, you know, everything is at light speed. You have to just, people have to be kind of like uh, really aggressive as far as that's concerned. When people say, oh yeah, we'll see how it looks in 2025 or whatever in the next bull market or in this type of nonsense. Like that's a serious mistake, especially in DeFi. A lot of times the DeFi summers and things like the the DeFi pumps or whatever completely happen independent of, let's say, Bitcoin or something like that. So you wind up missing all those moves if uh if your if your community's not paying attention or doesn't give a shit or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Does anyone else want to come up and speak? Just request to to speak and we'll allow you to. Yeah, was, like there's plenty of uh long community here, so <laughs> like if you need, so I'm saying if you need to interrogate Bruce, now's your chance. If yeah, you're try to do it on Twitter, like as an anonymous, like you know, whatever. <laughs> well, make fun of him. I don't think I've ever <laughs> had these lunked out bastards. You know, it's it's like just a few loud voices. I don't think I've ever had a single person come into one of these spaces and have a real conversation with me. <laughs> like that was negative in any way. It's quite funny. Yeah, what happened to that character that's doing all those like anti-Lunkdow YouTube videos that are very funny? He's carrying like, on. He's, he's called, uh, he's probably listening now, Stellar Prism. He's making all these, he's an interesting guy. He's like, um, claims to be like ex-CIA, although I don't know how much of that is like real or not. He's like, um, uh, you're he's talking like, about that guy on YouTube? Yep. He's like, I know people like you. I was in the, I was, my whole family's in uh -huh. the internet. Community data, and then uh, he lives in a house with like a thousand parrots. They're all always in the background. Look up this guy on YouTube. Um, go on the YouTube search and look up Stella, like S T E L L A R Prism, like uh, you know, like a, a glass prism, P R I S M, and uh, and watch this guy's videos. He's um, he's an interesting character. He lives in a house with about a thousand parrots and and spends his entire time making uh, videos about us. Yeah, go ahead, Z. When can we expect Luna Classic to hit a uh, hundred bucks again? Or not again, because it never hit, but yeah. Well, I mean, in the old uh, incarnation of the chain, it hit 119, um, Ooh, that, which is... Leaving that one out, as I was implicating. But yeah, it's completely different now. Like the, the, the entire tokenomics have, have changed radically. In the past, uh, in the past, UST and Luna used to balance each other by minting and burning all the time. So um, the mechanism has just been switched off. It's now just a, a fixed supply chain. Um, I don't know. I, I think if, if you're looking for $100, I think it's somewhere in the region of uh, maybe 10 ice ages from now. 
you know what? I think, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> I think Luna getting to like uh tw- like twenty bucks and then like dropping to a low of ten, that is very feasible just judging by just like uh the number of total users, the number of like just oh, comparison comparison to many other chains that have like nothing on them as far as like development. So when people like get online and like argue with me like wait why are you posting about luna it's dead i'm like dude have you ever been to the rest of the like layer ones on this planet like they don't have anything like literally nothing so so luna can easily pick up like and uh get back to i think like the 20 dollar range and you know move into that sort of thing to get to like a hundred and such it's like wow you know like if tfl or some other people create some amazing sort of use cases on the platform if they create i don't know some sort of cross chain type of thing maybe okay. implement ibc all that shit like maybe right like but past that it's hard z were you talking about luna classic or, or the, the luna regular? luna to get back to like 10 or 20 bucks right so <laughs> I, I think which, luna can do that which one are you talking about z I think I misunderstood. I, I was talking about Luna Classic, but I think Luna is going to end up hitting it before Luna Classic for sure. I think uh, I, I honestly think Luna now, like the new version, is probably the most interesting thing in the whole crypto market, just because I've never seen I've never seen a token in my life be be so heavily fudded and so much misinformation and so many lies spread about it. Um, relative to the the like the level of fundamental value and all of the building and how good the teams are and like the the sheer quantity of genius builders and all of the potential and stuff and like I also think that the the more the negative sentiment the more fud there is around something the easier it is to 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 rebound. This um, is the closest thing in crypto I would say to Steve Jobs uh, being ousted from Apple back in the day. Like, and then going into the exile in the forest and then like, you know, remember what he like went to next and then, uh, what do you call it? Toy, you know, um, not toy story, uh, the, the Pixar and everything, creating that and then coming back and then like, you know, and then the glory days begin, right? Like that was kind of that weird, this is the closest thing in crypto to that level of drama that, uh, I've witnessed. And yeah, I would say that the, the potential with where the market cap of Luna is now, not Luna classic, but Luna. The potential for it to really pop, um, especially with all the FUD and all the seller exhaustion or whatever the fuck, right? Like, it doesn't really make a great short position at this point. It's just not. So, like, probably a lot of people have largely closed out their shorts and moved on, right? So, it's much easier to push it up now, I think. Yeah, and it's just... Isn't, like, 75% of it already staked of Luna? Uh, Well, like, I think um, something around 80% is either staked or um, still locked for now. Vesting, yeah. So like uh, you could you say that like a, a very small amount is being actively traded on exchanges. So if it's bought heavily, it's going to bump, it's going to pump quite a lot. And it did like it, it pumped to like from about, I think $1.5 to 7.5 in yeah. like a day. It just, yeah, it, that's how fast it can move, like because there's so little of it out there. So it's very easy to do that. And once like there's also a little bit of testing that goes on. It's like whales sort of just like test to see like how much they can move that market. Yep. And then they sort of like accumulate that coin 
and then they just pump it and then just dump on everybody. So there is an element to like that, that each of those like spikes is kind of a test in a way of like what kind of market liquidity there is, what kind of interest there is and everything. So I think it's much easier to move Luna's prices up now compared to. Luna's yeah. It's, um, it's also relatively easier to move USTC. It's why it's so volatile. It like, is easy. USTC yeah. is around um, three or maybe four times as volatile as, as Lunk, which is quite interesting. Like, well, I think really. Let me go ahead and buy a couple grand worth of the USTC and then you guys pump that bad boy for me. You know what I'm well, saying? Pay what, off some what, we, <laughs> what me and Sefi do is we, uh, we, tra- we tend to trade the volatility. So um, if you've never heard of this before, look up uh, GridBots on YouTube. Uh, it, it's a, like a, a setup for a, a trading robot that buys and sells quickly as the price um, goes up and down. And it's, it's quite an interesting strategy on some coins like USTC because um, they're super volatile. And if you can capture that volatility somehow, like it, it's tremendously beneficial. Um, and you no longer really have to worry about whether it's going to go up or down long term. You just kind of, you directly swallow all of the volatility and chaos. Well, maybe the question from my side is that um, the we have seen recently, okay, with some exceptions, that Lunk and Luna both are coupled together, right? So the both are kind of like ten thousand x difference, but they are coupled together. So this is at zero point zero 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 two four, and then you find the Luna at two point four dollars. I mean, with the exception, of course, and some differences, but the point is understood. So. For me, two questions. First, is that um, now with the regards that the Terra Rappers are trying to get to the IPC enabled and get to the parity with the Luna version two, that means all the D apps are can be cross compatible with the Lunk. That's one thing. And saying, what about in case of um, if 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 uh, TFL decided to ditch the Lunk totally to the community? In this case, that's the whole nodes and everything going to be within the validators. So do you think that the link is going to go in this still coupled relation with the Luna? And would it be that the link can fly on its own, own or they will be still coupled together? So what do you think? I, I was a little bit cutting out there, Sefi. Did you hear that? Maybe you could answer. Um. I was actually, I was kind of zoned out for a minute there. My wife was yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was actually asking about that uh, Luna V2 and Luna and Lunk both are coupled together with a 10,000x difference in price. Do you mean so, that, you mean like they tend to correlate? Yeah, exactly. So the, the relation is kind of like for me for the last few weeks, for months is always like a straightforward. It's, they both go up together, they go down, I mean, with exception for sure, but it's kind of like people do not yet still do not differentiate uh, between both. And the second thing is that I think that even with the Terra Apple's uh, roadmap, that it should we, we should arrive in a few months, it is a parity level, that all the apps on the Luna should be uh, cross-compatible, right, with the Lunk. But also I know that the, at some point with the next few months, the, the TFL should also somehow hand the whole um, code to the community and even the LCD network. And that's what TRRAPs are working. So it's, it's kind of strange relationship. 
we, it looks like both should be working at the same level, at the same the apps, and both of them are gonna get, take two di- different directions of the network management and control. So my think about that, what what's your ideas about that for the future? So. Um, a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's kind of it is weird the way they are correlated so heavily. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like it, it, I think in the past, when an article about Doquan or something has come out, they've both gone down, uh, which is like fascinating because uh, Lunk is now. I mean, it's it, it's more or less like owned by the community or managed by the community now, um, whereas like Lunar is something different completely. So I don't know. I I I think the for me like the ideal long-term scenario would be that they share a lot of things but they're also different in many ways like i think i think they should be um in parity code wise um and i think it should be immediate and effortless for a lunar developer to launch the same app on lunk because i think that's better for everyone it's better for the the developers to um, have a new source of revenue, and it's also great for the community. Um, but at the same time, like I think there needs to be more of a detaching in people's minds. Um, it's I don't know. It's 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 a it's a really weird situation. Like nothing like this has ever happened in crypto. Um, I I mean, people also have very stupid ideas about the whole thing. Like as somebody who was here for the last like year and a half, and Sefi too, if he's here or not, <laughs> being scolded with his wife or something. Um, you know, we, we never really saw anything bad. You know, we saw a failed experiment. Um, we saw uh, a grand division, a vision to capture the entire stablecoin market and, you know, these these magnificent plans. And we saw a failure and failures happen. But um, we certainly don't agree with 99% of whatever's been on social media and all the hatred and stuff. Um, and, and we are the people who lost millions of dollars. So it's quite interesting. You know what the funny thing is, Bruce? Actually, the, the decentralized stablecoin uh technically speaking would be if if it's if it was made feasible right it would be the biggest like most useful financial product yeah like outside of like i don't know fiat currency even more so used than say a bitcoin because like if you just look at trading volume on any given day like usdt trading volume like like is more than everything else in the crypto market combined right so this is the funny thing so like we like the dream was to sort of defeat that and everyone was unified in that dream and also like providing an alternative to some kind of like CBDC thing right So when people say well you know Do Kwan was irresponsible or any of this other bullshit like I can tell you like there's like layers upon layers of layers upon layers of people more irresponsible than Do Kwan I promise you and there's many ways that many of those systems that you're looking at today in crypto can get wrecked. And like they get a, they get a pass to some extent. They're called FUD when, you know, it's about Tether FUD or something like this, right? So like, I don't think the people that were in Terra as like, like you and me or whoever, like people that were really thinking the dream would be amazing to like fulfill, I, I don't think we blame him for it. Cause I think like, I almost feel like He's one of the few people that not only had the courage to do it, but was fully doxxed, for God's sake. I'm like, what in the hell? Like, and I can't believe his... you're doxxed. I don't even know what you're thinking. Yeah, and called his daughter Luna and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I, I think, well, that, yeah. I, one of the, I, I'm, I don't know if you read my messages in the uh, the, the Rebuilder chat, Sefi. Like, I've 
post a few little kind of, I don't know, rants, if you like. But one of the rants was like, everyone has forgotten the why. Like, why, why were everyone um, in the first place behind Luna? Like, why did everyone unite behind that community? The, the reason we were united is because we believed in this idea of decentralized money, right? Um, personal financial sovereignty, a, a money that is not subject to regulation, censorship, um, confiscation or blacklisting or freezing or inheriting the risks of fiat currency, all that stuff. That's why we all united behind it. And to, to try and build that, to try and be an innovator who, who really breaks new ground and, and builds something amazing like that, a money for the whole of crypto, if you, you could argue like a, a new money for the whole of humanity, to risk that, to put your personal name on the line, to call your daughter after it, um, to pour four years and millions and millions of dollars um, and everything else and know that if it fucks up, you're going to be ruined. That is, a, that is, in my eyes, brave as fuck. And like, if you talk to any of the people in the old community, what they think is, is that like, we understood there were some risks here. Like all prior algorithmic stablecoins had failed. Um, you know, we, we understood the bank run scenario. We understood like, we hoped that it, it become kind of resilient and, and Lindy or, you know, it had become maybe too big to fail in some ways, but, but, you know, when, whenever there is a weak point, there is often enough, <laughs> somebody out there has enough money to exploit that weak point and there will be a successful trade to exploit it. Um, but like, that was the why the, the why was personal financial sovereignty for everyone. It relates to everything you see in the world now, like the, the Russian oligarchs money being switched off in a button, um, or like the Canadian truckers having their bank accounts frozen or whatever else. Like, it was specifically to, 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 to ensure freedom for humanity and um, be a viable alternative to all of these horrible kind of uh, dystopian things that are being proposed with CBDCs and, and whatever. And the funny thing is, like, I think to some extent, like the new community for Luna Classic, you can sense that ethos in some of those people as well. But at the same time, they don't know how to go about it. And they're like, wait, these terror rebels, bastards, they're centralized and they're they're they're. They're negotiating all sorts of deals on our behalf and da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, someone has to sort of invent something. Like, you can't just sit on Twitter and play and expect it to happen. Right. So it's like, um, so the same exact thing, like, you know, where people are upset with, you know, maybe Do Kwan over there are now upset with, you know, on our terror rebels over here. It's just a weird, like, you know, what do you want exactly? You, you, you think that the government is going to make this for you? Like, you know, like, who are you trying to? Yeah, you it's know, weird. What do you think the odds are that, like, if you just FUD them, that maybe they're, uh, you know, something good's going to happen? It's just unlikely. I'd love so, to see people were like, just, I don't know. I think, it, like, less than 1% of people seem to know what is required for real innovation to happen, even, like, on a basic level. Like, even the concept of failure is now illegal. You know what I mean? Like, like people think, like, because there was a loss of money or something broke or something, oh, there must be nefarious intent. There must be a scam. There must be whatever else. It, it's, like, quite a weird world we live in. Like, the, the average person just does not understand what is required to innovate and what the risks yeah. are. Steve Jobs and Elon Musk were very much about, like, repeated failure. Like, you try. We won't be right about everything. But you know what? Like, we're going to exert our vision. Maybe it fails and maybe it wins in the marketplace, whatever. But you got to try and fail over and over and over again. And yeah. that's just part of the normal uh, ethos. And you might you might fail in the sense that like maybe you, you know, put your faith in some people, like maybe uh, a team or something. And they don't deliver as much as, you know, maybe you think they would or whatever. Um, but that's just part of it. That's just normal. It's like, I don't know what else. How else are you going to do it exactly? You're going to 
you yeah. know, find some perfect human being where Jesus is going to come from the sky. The sky opens up. The Lord Zeus comes down and gives you some blockchain that is going to be fully decentralized and electrified with his lightning bolts or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. like and, you know. Yeah. And like, and, and also look what happens when you follow purely the popular view or the popular um, consensus or agreement or whatever. Uh, you achieve almost nothing. <laughs> like in, in blockchain land, you get massive unspent treasuries. Um, there's no kind of decisive action. Nobody is particularly incentivized to do much of anything. Uh, it's like a weird situation. Like one of the reasons that, that uh, TFL and the old Lunar achieved so much so quickly is because they just took radical, decisive, kind of almost dictatorial action 24 um, seven, new partnerships, new whatever. New, it just like they were building and building and building. Like, and uh, Sefi, like you know as well, like they, they, they loaned out like I loaded their fucking devs to to all the other projects and basically built the entire ecosystem very quickly as a perfectly centralized company. It was quite interesting to watch. Um, like you need you need something like that to achieve great things. Like most of the time, um, and it's weird to- well, because if you don't do that, right, you're just handing out money. So like let's say you have a development fund of some kind, VC money or something. And you just burn through it because, you know, different devs say they're going to do different things. They don't deliver as much as you think they will. Or maybe you you overestimated how much you should pay them and you did. Whatever, right? So if you have your own devs actually helping, yep. it does make a lot of sense. It's, it'd be the same as like Apple developers going and helping Adobe or something like that put together, I don't know, the latest you know, uh, like paintbrush program on iPad or something, right? Like, mm. So it's like it, they, this kind of you know, cooperation by some sort of central agent um, really like pushes the pushes things forward. I think yeah. faster. I also think it's just brave as it's brave as hell to be an innovator these days. Like with this this strange culture of blaming and this strange cancel culture thing, and like you're not allowed to fail, and um, you know a- any kind of failure must be a big scam, whatever else. To to do to know that to know all of that and to put your full reputation on the line to not do it anonymously to be fully out there and like defend your ideas and just fucking go for it. Like for me, that's a very admirable thing. Like, and, and there can be, I don't know, like I've got no blame on, on about a thousand levels. You know, it's funny though. It is funny. Like my wife um, was the one who was like maybe using Facebook really early on. And she's like, Hey, like Facebook is IPOing and you should buy this thing. And you know, I'm reading on the internet bullshit. Like, well, you know, this FUD and that FUD, and maybe it's overvalued and maybe, you know, Zuckerberg has no experience running a business, da 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 right? Like every single reason, like you read on the internet about whatever the founder and everything. So somehow or another, my intention was negative. I didn't invest in Facebook, all right? So I, did, I made no money on that. Um, this was like at the very beginning, like the IPO, not only just the IPO, but the IPO after the pullback you know, like, you know how the, like the, the price stock price crashed afterwards. And, you know, it was like at like $12 or something. Right. So then the other one, the other mistake I made was like with uh, Tesla. So she's like, yeah, you should buy, um, you know, Tesla stock. It was like $20 at the time or something. And this is before the splitting or whatever the fuck, this is like the very beginning, like IPO. She's like, yeah, everyone, I know is like likes Tesla cars and like everyone's buying this thing and um, there's a lot of buzz on it because she happens to be on, you know, social media platforms and I was not. So the thing is, I didn't catch that like emotional wave. And all I was reading is, I don't know, whatever bullshit in the, I don't know, Wall Street Journal or this, that and the other thing. Right. And the FUD about Elon was, well, you know, he 
you know, I don't remember what it was at the time. Like he crashes rockets or maybe he like mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, this car thing is never going to work. And like, how are they going to get enough batteries? And I don't know, like any number of types of FUD that, you know, would be out in there. The yep. same thing is being said, like about Doquan now, like the Tesla, uh, like Elon is a scammer. He is using um, like uh, the government funds and subsidies. And, and that's the only thing that's keeping him going. And when that goes, he's going to crash and burn and fail. And the amount of FUD like you'd see on a lot of different platforms was really high, right? And if you read that on either on Facebook or on Tesla, you just didn't buy the stock because you're like, this sounds like nonsense to me and um, that kind of thing. So it's like, that's kind of the feel I get for Luna now mm. when it comes to like negativity for TFL and Doe. It's like, look, th- th- these people are like, uh, uh, like cr- very credible geniuses in many ways. And, you know, it's like Tess, you know, Elon crashing the first rocket, you know, like most of us couldn't even get a freaking rocket into the, off the ground, much less crash one, right? Yeah, it's so, weird. Yeah. It's weird on a lot of levels. Like, you don't understand like most people who criticize don't understand the the intentions they don't understand the history they don't understand the complexity they are not capable or qualified of working out if there was bad intentions um they they don't understand the general process of how innovation happens in the first place like there's so little understanding and also it's always funny how intense people's emotions can be and then like in a year or two or when something else is released like how those same people have total insomnia you know a lot of people out there probably criticizing elon musk or whoever are now like fanboying teslas and driving them around and stuff like it's weird weird like um kind of amnesia most people experience or like you know probably somebody was angry about mike tyson and now he's like the hero of theirs or whatever else like it's just this weird like um psychological predicament of humans to experience this extreme like hatred and seething and like blaming at the time that things happen and then you know history passes time rolls on and everything changes completely it's strange yeah the greatness of like um the like the people that love elon or steve jobs or stuff like that like there's it's because like they have proven themselves over time and therefore now they're worth loving but at the time they were just worth just like everybody just deriding them and just kind of like destroying them in every possible way, shape, and form in public square. Like, I remember this with Jobs. I remember this with uh, with the Musk and everything. And it's like, the amount of negativity was like truly fever pitch. And this is not just like the general public too. This was the the media. This was the um, like journalists or whatever the hell, the tech media and everything. And just completely, um, <clears throat> you know, intending to destroy these people. And like, look where we are now, right? Like, it's just, it's just funny how opposite mm. And how bad of an investment choice it was to fade these people. Um, like, yeah, the, 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 the impact, like and the impact of me not buying, like, I don't know, Facebook and uh, Tesla shares mm-hmm. when my wife said so, and it was worth basically nothing, um, yeah. is still like obvious to this day. Like it was a lot of money that yeah. like, it was easy money actually in a way. Have you ever read those stories about like the, the reception to inventions like there's a there's a really fascinating um, web page that details the entire um, historical archive of newspaper coverage of the the Wright brothers' first flights. So like when they were first developing um, their original planes, and they started to do like you know a ten meter flight, a twenty meter flight, and then eventually I think over the course of many months they built up to like um, a lap of a cornfield or something like that. There are really interesting accounts from the Wright brothers and the the newspaper 
um, journalists locally and stuff like that. And and the the account basically goes that like when they first had their first few flights, I think they might have failed the original ones and maybe had some journalists or whatever there. When they first um, managed to take flight, they said like, okay, we're going to do our second flight on the the second of January or whatever date. Um, you know, if you want to turn up, please turn up. And and they they reached out to like ten local newspapers in in local states and the the surrounding area and the towns and stuff, and nobody turned up. <laughs> they just did it alone. And then uh, like I think they did a flight, and then I think um, a few flights later they invited them again, and like one guy turned up, and uh, he wrote like a tiny article about it, like yeah yeah it flew like thirty meters da da da, and nobody believed it. Like <laughs> nobody believed it because I think at the time they had this this belief that it just wasn't possible. Like it wasn't possible for I don't know how, like maybe you'd understand like the, the aerodynamic arguments or whatever, Sefi, but I think there was a kind of an overriding idea that, that you know, the, a, a, a craft like a plane that they were proposing could not overcome its own weight. Like it was just somehow impossible. Um, and then when it eventually did, uh, they kind of reworked their theories afterwards. Well, it's because there was not, um, there wasn't such a thing as like wind tunnels then, right? So it's like you couldn't test this theory of how much lift this aerofoil could make. Well, yeah, but it, it was like kind of observationally, everyone has failed so far. And, exactly. You know, it's observation. Yeah, the, it's a disbelief thing. of the power of an aerofoil. And there's like a flat earth thing, like because nothing has flown so yeah. far, like it's, you know, theoretically, it's probably impossible. Like, <laughs> da, da, da. And like, God knows um, if they could see what came, like the SR-71 Blackbird and all these things afterwards. And like one of the most amazing facts, in my opinion, like I, I think you'll probably agree, Sefi, is that, um, and, and it's kind of conspiratorial as well, like one of my favorite facts is that the, the SR-71 Blackbird test flights were in 1953, uh, no, sorry, 1963. Um, so almost 60 years ago now. And that is the same quantity as time uh, between the SR-71 first taking flight for test flights and the Wright Brothers' original flights. So, so we are now as far from the, the, the first flight of the fastest official plane in the world as the fastest official plane in the world is from the Wright brothers' first flight. Like, isn't that mad? <laughs> like, like uh, and despite the amount of time this passed yeah, is amazing. And like, if you assume um, these, these like accelerationist views and, and the evolution of technology and computers and AI and, and all of the the trillions of dollars that have gone into black budget programs and whatever else and Lockheed Martin and stuff. It's like almost unthinkably ridiculous that, that like that is still the fastest craft, <laughs> but, but like, it's weird. It's, it's like, I often say, it is really weird. Say that when people argue, <clears throat> but like, um, we don't have better technology. I'm like, do you know what the fastest plane is? And do you know when it was built? Like it's, it's interesting, right? Like it's, it's funny. Um, but at the time, yeah, but another thing about Skunk Works is that another fascinating thing was the SR-71 was actually stealth, which is uh, another sort of like, that was kind of a top secret element then. Yep. It was quick enough to, like, not only the surfaces, but it was quick enough that, like, radars couldn't keep up with it because, like, you couldn't keep it on screen. Mm -hmm. It was so fast, which is another fascinating little, like, thing. And, and yeah, so, like, a lot of the things that came after it, it was like, wait. Like, did these people discover aliens? How did they get the stealth thing? And why are the shapes different? And, but they learned a lot back then, too. Yeah. Um, but like, so yeah, but, this, but I think th it's not that they don't go as fast now because they couldn't. But there's not that many applications for that speed right now, I think, is what part of it. Part of the issue is. And also, like, the materials science, like, mm. is still like you're still not going to defy physics to some extent. 
And I think uh, you probably could build a plane uh, as good or better now, but I just don't think there's any, enough practical applications. That's why they haven't. Because remember, like the other big difference between the SR-71 and now is like we have sat- we have satellites everywhere, right? Like we have spy satellites that you can be ta- you can task to so many different destinations. Um, and like most of the budget went to that is what happened to yeah. the yeah. Air Force's spy budget or whatever. But like to go back to my point, like the, when that when, when that first major landmark was happening, the Wright Brothers' original flights. I'll try and find this webpage because I think you'll find it fascinating as well. It's like it's it's like a, a window into what it was actually like at the time. There was so much skepticism, like, and not only did uh, journalists not attend, but they they wrote articles about these guys being scammers, like it didn't actually happen. And it was only really um, when they started looping the fields, like doing uh, navigations circles around cornfields and flying i think like one and a half kilometers or so that that people started to turn up and said oh maybe it is real after all and then everyone just forgot like that they had this prior skepticism <laughs> like it's, oh it's yeah yeah great. oh yeah we knew airplanes were going to be a thing right uh, it's like <laughs> it, it every all the passes are raised and it's always like that this weird kind of um time embedding of emotionality and and like everyone kind of defers to the the general population's view on something like now, if you look at something like crypto Twitter, like Doquan is a scammer, like the average person just logs on, they see this emotional attitude, they see the financial loss, and that's it. Their, their mind is imprinted forever. Like there's no, there's no deeper analysis at all. It's quite interesting. People are just deferring to the certainty of the group. Like it, No, I, like even like forget about people who are like uh, maybe not tech savvy or something. Like I just take myself and I, I remember thinking, okay, so like, you know, SpaceX or whatever it was called at the time decides to shoot this rocket up. What is this Elon guy doing? Like, why would you go against the like of likes of like Boeing and um, all these other like, you know, spacefaring, you know, companies? And why would you take that on? Like, is that the business you want to go after? Like, what makes you think you're going to be able to like gin up enough money to sort of like get into that space? And I was like, so even myself, I was a like, total skeptic about it. Right. There's a reason why. Like I didn't buy either Tesla stock or whatever. It's because like it's easy to be skeptical about that stuff because so many times these things do actually fail, and it seems so ludic- ludicrous at the time. It's only those like big winners that you celebrate after the fact. But yeah. like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like you know Elon and SpaceX now. But like at the time, like no mm. question, I was a skeptic. Yeah, I mean, like you know, and 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 I was one of those people that didn't you know deep dive enough and all that shit, right? Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. Um... It's also funny how people can be, they develop attitudes out of woundedness, like one failure will dictate their approach in the next thing. Even if the, all of the variables and the parameters and the approach to the next thing is changed completely. Like I'll give you an example, like the, the way UST worked, the way UST and Luna, the whole mint mechanism worked, even if you were skeptical of that, uh, it shouldn't really determine what you think of the next one. Like, like it's just completely different, but people are inheriting the same attitude to the to the old thing that failed um and also having watched these kind of failures before i almost feel like you know tfl has like they've walked through the fire and like these are people that you want to build the next thing because they're the only ones that knows what it's like to get wrecked right they they know what went wrong They, they know all the different attack vectors now they they maybe have from the from the baseline up they could redesign a new system of some kind you know, so like, yeah, if, if TFL decides to create a new stable coin of some kind, like some new mm. algorithmic stable coin, dude, like there's no question I'm buying, like no question in my mind at all. 
Yeah. Like, call it Stockholm syndrome, call it whatever the fuck you will, but I'm definitely, I would, I would be in if they were doing it again. Yeah, there, there's definitely Stockholm syndrome going on, Sefi. Like, I'm, I'm worried about you. Uh, you've been taken under the spell, the hypnosis of Doquan, just like um, Elizabeth Holmes' employees and uh, the, the famous cult leaders who convinced their followers to jump off the cliff and drink the Yeah, cold. exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't jump off the cliff with me. But it was the same with, um, you know, when I started talking about, about Lunk, the potential of Lunk, and like I started to, like, the, the thing I started to say was like, this thing is 150 million market cap. The, the old um, tokenomics have been turned off. There's a, a fixed supply now. It has all of these factors, like the, the, the four, four and a half million wallets, the, the apps, everything else. Um, like, this is really undervalued for what it is. And, um, and everyone at the time was saying things like, I'm not touching that. Do Kwon made that. <laughs> and, and like, uh, it was interesting because like a lot of the old um, lunar investors who I was talking to at the time just avoided it completely because they were heartbroken from the prior situation. But they, they transplanted their emotionality about the prior situation and the losses onto the change situation. And, and then, missed, very fascinating. then missed another 10x. Well, yeah. Like right. then, While they're then, sitting then, around and waiting, they missed a whole 10x. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's weird. It's like how, how, um, how much of a prisoner to your story of the past you can be that you will not absorb or be able to discern any new information at all. Even if the situation is radically different, you will just kind of imprint that new um, situation with your, with your like, trauma of the past, your heartbreak of the past. People are doing that now. Um, people did that with Lunk majorly back in May, like when I was talking about it. Because I was like, okay, we, may, we lost a lot of money, but everything is different here. And this is still like potential. Um, and then the Lunkdale thing came. But like, they're doing the same thing with Luna now. <laughs> it's exactly the same phenomena. Um, and I think, thing, I think with Luna especially, things are going to turn around big time very quickly. Um, and I also think a lot of that benefits Lunk as well. So it's like double interesting. Yeah, if Luna pumps, like almost surely Luna Classic does also. It's like reflexive almost. I think that's highly likely. Yeah, full time. Go ahead. We've been ignoring you for the past like half hour. That's been safe. Now, just to say, uh, you know, it's just great to join one of these spaces. Um, just reminds me of old times. A question I actually have for you, Seth. I was actually two questions. Um, with it's actually something I've always wanted to know. Uh, a yes, no answer suffice. Um, with you just being such an influential figure in the whole Twitter space for Luna. Um, have you ever spoken to Do Kwon before in person or ever, have you ever met him in person before? So that's my first question. Um, and this, me, and this, no, yeah, yeah. I haven't met him in person. I just briefly chatted with him on like Twitter spaces at one point or the other. Like um, he's DM me a few times and I've talked to some TFL representatives and stuff like that, but no, not any, not at any kind of length. And some of the guys, like I think Pantera and folks, like met him at conferences and stuff. Did Bruce, do you ever meet Doe or no? Uh, well, I, I, I like that. Um, who was that? Full time dad. I like that. Full time dad made the assumption that you're not Doe Kwon. <laughs> <laughs> That's my voice changer. Well, so I don't say so enough to be Doe Kwon, right? But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So my second question then, um, maybe uh, just to open the form for yourself as well as Asparagoid or Bruce, I'm not too sure what you what name you go by these days, um, is that not, not too long ago, say 
I think it was about a few months ago, Do Kwon himself, he posted an emoji of a light bulb um, on his uh, on his Twitter feed. Um, as you know, just as if he was trying to reflect that he had a great idea on that kind of eureka moment. So um, I'm not too sure if it was disclosed why he posted that. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on what was going on there? Um, I think there was some kind of speculation at the time that maybe he or TFL were working on a secret project, maybe another stablecoin. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks. I think it's a little bit too early for stablecoin, <laughs> in my opinion. I think um, you got to build up first. Hang on a minute. Can you still hear me? Okay, I've just uh, changed my speakers. Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you. Um, I think what Doquan is doing now is like one of his lessons from the past is just don't be so loud. Like, stop posting about things. Like, I think he's he's kind of committed to, and I I know his friends as well. So like, he's committed to building in the dark and just massively over delivering. So um, one thing I know for sure is even now, uh, TFL has, has finished a load of different apps, um, some of which are kind of experimental, other which is, uh, are more like um, DeFi oriented, some of which seem to have uh, potential to take over a lot of the cosmos and provide a lot of value and fix the fundamental problems in a lot of different chains. Um, but, but like, I don't know. One thing I'm sure of is this guy is like, a relative genius and his output is insane like everyone i know who knows him closely and is very industrious themselves say he works like five times as hard as them which is quite interesting because i know some extremely hard-working people um and i don't know like for me i think doquan is a very fascinating bet like as a person um if 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 i'm going to choose to invest in people and I can choose a different range of people and just like invest in their lifetime of productivity and the things they come up with. One of them will for sure be Doquan, like just, just on everything I've seen so far. And also just, just look at his resiliency for failure. Like almost immediately after failing completely started working on this new thing, started rolling out new apps. Like it was like, I don't know, just this, uh, I told him myself as well. And like he said, thank you. I said, like, I've, I've never seen somebody with, like such a high level of resiliency, just like get on with it immediately. Because ultimately, what are you going to do? Like if there is a kind of, um, and I know the intent isn't compensation, but if there is any kind of healing for the old community, it's, it's by building the future. Like that's the way you do it. You build something new, you provide some new value and you take everyone who was wrecked along with you on the journey. And, you know, like by doing that, that's how you get, that's how you heal. You, you rebuild your reputation. Um, you reunite the community around this new thing. And uh, a lot of that kind of follows the price action or whatever. But like, that's what he did. He took no downtime at all. <laughs> he just immediately yeah. while, moved. While having a daughter, while living in isolation and whatever the hell else he has yeah, to do. Yeah, while, while, like, while escaping the, the police, <laughs> whatever else. Just insane. Like, just so think about this, Bruce. Think about this. Like, technically speaking, as holders of the Luna token, right? In theory, we're all like in violation of some sort of like Korean or whatever the fuck, right? So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, he he was like the guy that took the, you know, the hit for the entire, um, you know, for TFL and everything else. I don't know how many people at TFL have like, whatever you call it, um, subpoenas or, or or they're under, under, you know, under watch or whatever the hell you call it. But in Jesus, like these people had to sacrifice quite a bit in order to... Uh, and then to be able to keep building now, like 
you know, Jesus, like, you know, like, like it would be a lot worse if they were building nothing. It doesn't help that my Luna bag or whatever, if they're not doing anything. Right. So I'm grateful for that in a sense. Thanks guys. Very grateful for your answers. Yeah. And our, our answers aren't too meaningful. Just, you know, like take it for what it's worth. Well, like we're waiting like you are to see what gets built. It'd be very cool. Yeah. Uh, can you still hear me? I've just uh, changed. Yeah, you're good. I was saying like, yeah, bear in mind, we're also like, um, Do Kwan, uh, Stockholm syndrome victims. Like he's, he's beat us and savagely, um, abused us many times. And like, we've learned to love him because we have to, because we're stuck with these damn lunar bags. So like, don't trust anything we say. What's up, Wolf? Hey, thanks guys. Hey, so I'm like a level 0.00021 noob at crypto. And so I enjoy being able to hop on and listen to y'all and, and then try to read all the information in the middle and, and try to get a good idea. There seems like there's so much information out there. Things move so fast and I'm in the construction world. So this is all very foreign to me, but I guess the thing I'm digging into here lately because of some tweets I've seen and I've been a part of, and I'm pretty ignorant on it is this whole doxing thing. Um, what is, what is, what does that mean exactly? Because when I try to YouTube it, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound pretty. It sounds like it puts a lot of people at risk by going through doxing. Um, could you guys, do you guys yeah, explain so, that a little bit? So I can, yeah, the, simp simp the simple way to think of it is like this. All right. Let's say um, there's a crypto blockchain or, you know, project or something like that. And um, you don't know who the actual founder is. You don't know who the developers are. You don't know anything, right? You're putting your money into what exactly? Um, you're not sure. And there's no one to hope be held culpable or liable. There's no, like, you don't, sh you're not sure if you trust these people. It'd be like having a company, for example, where everyone is anonymous, right? So if you don't have, if you're not doxxed, you're not a public figure with your name out in the open. Um, then you won't attract, you may not attract people to actually invest in your thing, right? Venture capital firms or whoever want to talk to an actual person. They don't want to just like throw their money at a, like an idea and hope to God that you don't run away with the money, right? That's the thing about, um, most crypto projects today, like including like Ethereum and whatever, uh, the Cardano's and Polkadot's, whatever they have like a founder, the founder is, um, is doxxed, meaning like their information is public, you know where they are, you know what country they live in and maybe what jurisdiction or whatever the hell. Um, and then if you have like the non-doxxed person like Satoshi Nakamoto with Bitcoin or something like that, then you're right. There's one less attack vector in the sense that like, um, you know, you can't kidnap, you know, somebody and then put a gun to their head and make them do something or you can't um, like, I don't know, sue them or something like that. Um, and you know cause havoc on the blockchain so for example i think tornado cash's founders and stuff um recently somebody got arrested and if you recall um what's that albrecht or whatever the guy that ran like silk road um some things happened related to his platform where i guess people died and whatever and so he went to prison and is still in prison and um so then that might affect the 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 performance of the blockchain or something if the person that's running it right gets put, put in jail or some shit so like there's pros and cons to doxing essentially um and um like but the thing is like 
the pros of being doxxed are beneficial at the very beginning, like when nobody knows what's going on. But when things get really big, like let's say, you know, let's say Luna had gone to like a trillion dollars or something, right? There's any number of reasons why someone would want to um, get financial incentive to do like crimes against the developers or something like that. So that's where the negative part of being doxxed comes in. So when like when Do Kwan is with Terraform Labs, for example, is a doxxed individual, that gives you an insight as to why he was doxxed to begin with. But now, now that something bad happened, it's like now Korean investigators want to prosecute him for capital crimes in South Korea, essentially securities laws. And uh, see, see, this is the problem with... Um, um, and then, like, let's say they catch him. Let's say they catch all the TFL members. Well, then that's going to affect the value of our coins because, well, if nobody's building anything, right, that it's possible that, like, maybe the price of the the coin will suffer or things like that. So that's the negative side of it. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to explain it like that. It kind of sparked up. I mean, I, I know you guys have seen all the tweets and stuff about, you know, doxing, you know, the Lung Dow, you know, making sure they were docked because of the, uh, you know, sitting on, you know, with the nine because of the stuff going on over at Lunk. And I was just trying to figure out what that was all meaning and what the benefit from one to the other is and why somebody would not go and become docked if it was something that everybody that seems like it would make a lot of people more comfortable. But after Googling it and looking into it and hearing what you say, I, I can I can see where where the con is to it as well. So. Thank you for that. It's like myself. Like, I have a professional career and stuff. Like, you know, it's not going to – nothing bad will happen if I get docs necessarily. But, like, like I'm not interested in mingling. Like, you're in construction, for example. Like, you know, you may not want to mingle your professional career with whatever happens on Twitter, Twitter or crypto or something like that. Like, you want to be able to do whatever you want in the different avenues. So, I don't know. Like, it's um, – I think uh, whether you're docs or not generally a perf- – um, like it's a personal decision on many levels. Um, but at the same time, it's like uh, if you're a business, it's a different thing. Uh, and if you're a blockchain, it's a different thing. And there's different pros and cons, attack vectors and stuff you have to keep bear in mind. That's all. Well, thank you again, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there was some guy on YouTube railing against LunkDAO or something. Saying, hey, we got to find out who these guys are and who, like, what are they trying to do and everything. Like, you, you mean the the few people that are actually trying to do something useful for the chain <laughs> you're worried about? Um, and then a bunch of like random new validators that showed up on Luna Classic that had nothing to do with anything show up. And it's like nobody asks any questions about any of those people, which is funny. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a strange, right. strange, strange right. world. Yeah, up is down, down is up, and like black is white, white is black, right? Well, and that's why it's always good to take this stuff with a grain of salt and give it a day or two and digest it before you make any decisions to kind of see what's going on in the middle and, you know, kind of look and get both sides and really pay attention to it and then make a decision and get on yeah, board. I've, I've always said in the crypto space, though, it's like they're like the so-called phrase, do your own research is largely like saying, um, like you know, like, you know, allocate risk where you think it's reasonable. Like you, you don't go crazy with something. Unless you really, really believe there's some good reason to believe that A, you're going to make a whole lot of money for some reason, or B, like you trust a group of people for whatever reason. Um, there's no need to sort of like over trust either. 
and there's certainly no reason to believe any word anybody on the internet says about anything, including mine. So like, uh, you, you know, you, you like just be careful with your own money. Like that's the simplest way to go about it. I mean, like you could be in any business, by the way, if you're in construction, you know what I'm talking about? Like how many different contractors like say they're going to do something and just fucking disappear and like don't do their job. And then like you have to stage how much money you pay them with each step because like you don't know who's going to actually finish what, right? If you've dealt with subcontractors and everything else. So it's not like you can't run into sort of like, I don't know, not maybe not scams, but like you can't, you can run into problems in pretty much any business you're in. Um, and I think people that are in a lot of actual active business activities will notice this. And people that don't have a lot of businesses or have not dealt in like uh, professional circles where like, for example, if I work at a McDonald's and um, like I flip burgers or something and I get paid every day. Like you're not exposed to the type of problems that someone that owns a McDonald's would have, right? Like, which is a whole different set. And I think a lot of people, either in crypto or everywhere else, like when people say "go do your own research," they're really just sort of saying, like, you know, you need to be some sort of genius about whatever it is you're investing in. The reality is, most people don't have the technical knowledge. Sometimes I don't have the technical knowledge to tell you, like. Um, you know, how, how some blockchain is broken or some shit. Like I remember, I think Jacob uh, Gedikian, he posted a few tweets this like la last few days. He's like, he was on this thing called Jackal Dow. I have no idea what Jackal Dow is. I guess some sort of blockchain or project or something. And uh, the, he was saying like, there's a whole bunch of shit wrong with their thing. And like it exposes seed phrases and you could interact with their thing and maybe like um, expose your wallets or something. And I don't know what, I, don't, I didn't even understand all the different, like things, but he's like, it's a steaming pile of shit and you got to be careful. And I think they might've, um, so they were working on fixing all of that shit and whatever, but you know, it just goes to show you like, wait a minute, there's like not a single thing he said that I fully understood. <laughs> so, so how much research am I really going to do? How much research are the people in this room going to really do? If like, we don't even understand like in, in nominal terms, the technical types of problems that could actually happen with say a blockchain or a DAP or a Bitcoin or a wallet or whatever the hell else. So yeah, it's like any domain. You, it takes years to sort of get a feel for the, um, the, the technical and other risks involved. Just people should obviously be careful, but like, no matter how many times you say that, like people buy too much of whatever coin, they don't think about it. And like, Oh, he posted uh, a chart about Luna. I'm going to go buy it now. Like I didn't, I didn't even say it was good. like, you know, it's funny. Somebody said today, it's like, Oh, you're posting this chart about Luna. Um, like, why do you keep posting about it? So the the mere implication that I post a Luna chart that doesn't have any arrows, by the way, it doesn't say like, okay, up or down or something like that. It just shows the price chart. That's it. Even that is considered like um, maybe like shilling to people, which is very funny. Like this guy was like, hey, you're, this Luna thing, it's stupid. Why are you posting about it at all? And stuff like this. I'm like, what the fuck? Like I have, I have bags of Luna. I want it to go up. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I want people to come build on this thing. I want to show people that the thing's not dead. You know, like, why wouldn't I uh, post about it? Like, I don't know, like Tesla owners post about their shit and Apple stockholders post about their stuff. Like everyone posts stuff. Like who really cares? Like, but people think this way, like everything to them is a shill no matter what you say. So like, and then some people will literally like do the opposite of everything you say, which is to their detriment. And some people do like the exact thing you say which to their detriment as well. You never know. Not n Nobody's right all the time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, Bruce, did you lose your connection or something? I don't know if Bruce's mic is working or what? Oh, there you I'm go. I'm just uh, cycling home. 
Oh, okay. In five. Okay. All right. Cycling home. Okay. Yeah, his I guess his town's pretty small. He's able to move back and forth with a bicycle and stuff. I got to get in my car for everything. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, V-Shape, anybody else, like any, any other news or fun or whatever else you guys are doing? Or anybody else that if want to hop up here and have any, like, technical questions or stuff about Cosmos Chains or whatever the hell. Um, you got a little bit to cover whatever you want. A lot of interesting stuff happening. Um, I'm actually curious about like what happens. Is the Dogecoin thing going to continue to go up or is it going to sort of stall out or what? Cause I sort of like did a two X and then sold it. <laughs> now I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe it'll just keep going, but I'm not really sure. So just kind of like, I was like, let's just take my two X and leave, <laughs> took my toys and then like dropped it in link, hoping that, uh, hopefully over the next few weeks with this whole like link staking, uh, narrative that maybe through December link will do another two X and I can double my money again or whatever. So that's kind of my like immediate like play now. And if anyone has any other, like, like news about any projects or something coming out that, um, I can consider speculating one. I won't. Uh, I won't hold it against you if it doesn't go up. Just like let me know. I'm just curious what people have available to throw their money at. Hey, Koi, what's up, man? Hey, I don't have a technical question, but uh, yesterday, space when you were driving around doing circles on the highway, um, it was it was a horrible experience on my end in the sense that I guess the connection kept going in and out because I was also driving. So, yeah, that was, that was bad. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, either I can stop these things so I can go get dinner or I can keep them going sometimes if I have time. So, it's funny. Uh, yeah. It's, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to actually request to speak while it was all happening because I kept having to jump in and out of the space and I just wanted to like yell, hey, <laughs> stop driving <laughs> because I'm driving. You're fucking up the system. <laughs> Between your road nose and my noise and mine, or something. No, like your your connection. I, I have no idea. It was like the first time it happened, but you say that you were driving, but like I'm always driving, so it's like uh, it was. I don't know. If oh, that's right. Yeah, you drive for a living, right? Yeah, like I'm driving right now, but like you're not driving, and like I was going into different spaces. And I wasn't having that problem. I just wanted to, like, get on the mic and, like, hey, stop driving, park or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it does become a problem when, like, the host is having connection issues and the listener. It can cause all sorts of havoc. Yeah, I think that's a problem. But, uh, hey, Monger, what's going on? Questions, comments? I'm back now. Cool. Crypto Monger, you, yes. you there? Can you guys hear me? Go ahead, man. Hey, yeah, uh, go for it. Man. Yeah. What's up? Thanks for having yeah. me up. Um, this sure. question is uh, for um, for Coach Bruce. Uh, it's a validator question. Um, I'm asking you because um, you do have a validator um, cross chain and all that as well. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on uh, KuCoin um, having a validator on the Luna Classic blockchain um, <clears throat> and Terra Station? And it looks like they delegated 50 billion coins of possibly their own liquidity from their <clears throat> from their exchange and 
Mm. And they, they're not participating in any governance. Um, I think they only voted for one thing, but it just seems like they're just there to uh, kind of just reap the, the rewards from the Oracle pool. <clears throat> and from my calculation, uh, current price right now for 50 billion coins, is about $10,000 um, just worth of uh, Luna Classic per day. Is there any kind of etiquette or anything regarding a possible um, uh, conflict of interest of a validator, an exchange being a validator on a blockchain and, and just getting the rewards and not participating in anything? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I mean, it's not very good that they're just eating rewards and not really contributing, but you can't stop it either. I think this happens on pretty much every chain. Um, and it was also happening in the past of Lunk. Like there's, there's nothing you can do. Uh, what a lot of, um, what a lot of exchanges do is they stake as many coins as they can that they don't need for like active trading. And then they offer the users a reduced rate. So maybe like on the Luna chain, the rate is like 15% if you stake on chain and they might offer like Binance or whoever or Qcoin might offer um, the people on that exchange like a, a slightly lower rate, like 13% or something like that. Um, just so users don't have to leave their exchange, but can at the same time receive a staking yield. Um, so like that's, that's common. <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever heard of um, a good way of dealing with it. You could argue as well that it's maybe a good thing to have more um, coins on chain and staked just for general network security. Um, but I don't know. I haven't heard of... Um, any chain really getting around this. I think it's just common everywhere. The other thing too, Bruce, is like if, or, um, or Munger is... Can't hear you, Sefi. Can anyone else hear Sefi? Is it just me? It's just you, I think. No, I can hear him. Oh, let me reconnect then. Okay. So, um, Munger, the other thing is uh, exchanges like, like Coinbase on Cosmos Hub or Binance or whatever, they tend not to vote because their vote will be so huge. And their vote is not representative of the individuals on their um, exchange. So they tend not to vote with those shares. Does that make sense? So because it would overwhelm like everyone else and, and they're not necessarily keeping track of what should be voted upon or whatever. So. Yeah, I, I understand that they're not they're they're not necessarily breaking any any laws or, or anything like that. But I just I just feel like it's um if they if they would participate a little bit more in in voting governance or um you know just be more outspoken about about something because you are validating on on, yeah. on the blockchain and you are adding to the security. But at the same time, you're also reaping in ten thousand dollars worth worth of um of rewards um but also yeah let me let me give you two examples um so crypto.com right has been a member of like their cosmos chain just like luna classic or luna right and crypto.com's chain the developers apparently help a lot with um like development in cosmos in general uh so they kind of actively participate and whatnot on the flip side look at binance smart chain uh, that's a Cosmos chain, but remember Binance had a recent exploit because they weren't even updating their own chain, much less participating in anything. So I think there's a wide gamut of um, like behaviors when it comes to centralized exchanges, the coins they hold for their users, how they vote with them or don't vote with them, and then how much participation they have in like you know uh, development and everything else. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Like it's a weird problem but it's like a problem that was born out of the proof of stake 
system where it's like one of these kind of maybe flaws of the proof of stake system, um, but there's nothing you can really do about it. So it's like, this has been one of the arguments on, every, on practically every single discussion about decentralization that you could ever imagine. These arguments have been had like hashed out a million times and no one has the exact answers to them. Yeah, perfectly understandable. And um, I'll, I'll leave it with this one last question. Um, I know before when it was just Luna and UST, um, with the rewards that you were getting from staking your Luna, most people would be swapping that into UST. Uh, so right now we don't have that option, obviously. So if KuCoin, if KuCoin is um, just cashing out and selling their um, their Luna Classic, would would that be affecting the, the 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 price action? I know it wouldn't affect it in a big way, but it, it to me it could be affecting it in, in some kind of small way or another. Um, but but big enough to to make an impact, if that makes sense. Wait, if if who does what with their coins? I'm not sure I understood what act, what action you're worried yeah, about. Yeah, so so let's say um, let's say that uh, KuCoin, uh, if if they if they get their rewards from that 50 billion that that they have staked, um, and if they if they claim those rewards and they sell that those rewards per day, that's that's ten thousand dollars worth of um, of, of self pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So would selling $10,000 worth of Luna Classic per day um, affect the, the price action in any way? I think the way most people think about inflationary chains or even like staking emissions is the assumption you should make is that everyone will sell their emissions. Um, validators typically sell their emissions, for example, to profit so they can pay for their validation duties, right? Um, not all of them will automatically restake. Like I know Coinbase on Cosmos Hub restakes uh, all of their um, coins or whatever. So they're actually getting an increasing uh, amount of the coins as time goes on because they keep auto-compounding everything. Whereas a smaller validator ends up having to sell some of their rewards to pay for their you know, machines and everything and the whatever internet service and maintenance and whatever. So yeah, it, it varies a lot, but I think uh, you should assume that like there's any inflation includes selling pressure related to that inflation. Will you ever be able to cal calculate exactly how much selling pressure it is? Not really. It's obviously it's a moving target, but I think most of us assume that if we have token emissions, that those token emissions will exert downward pressure on the price. Um, now, how much impact does that have in the short range, like over the period of like a day or a week or a month? Very little compared to like token quantities uh, have a relatively small uh, effect on price com compared to like the pumps that are induced by leverage and by um, social sentiment. These things have way more effect on spot prices than any kind of token supply things. So that's something to be aware of whether in the whole like discussion, I think tokenomics type discussions and these kind of things, these are for like more. Like, what do you think the price of something's going to do over three, four, five years? Um, not necessarily like what's going to happen a month from now and things like that. So I would, I would focus those tokenomics type things on the long time frames. Yeah, that that makes sense. Thank you so much for for answering and entertaining my questions. Um, I, yeah, I think cool. once I, I think once IBC gets opened back up and 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 the um, opportunity to swap your rewards to different um, you know different chains. Um, may benefit as well. Yeah. Um, hey, Marjik, uh, 21, what's up? 
Hi guys, yeah, nice to meet you. Um, been listening to you loads of them over the last well six months, but uh, just got a Twitter account recently because I just find these places so toxic. But um, <laughs> you know, kind of um, I'm more of an investor trader kind of thing and mix everything together. Um, I was actually like looking at Luna, but I got sort of moved over from stocks and forex in got into crypto about a year and a half ago just before everything started crashing which was great for me because obviously you can short and stuff like that and i kind of felt that i missed that lunar train because i saw it go from like two dollars to 70 or whatever it was um but then obviously when i saw that crash coming in i was actually one of those investors that was like fuck man this thing is just gonna keep tanking and tanking and like then you're hearing the rumors so i was like shit i'm actually need to get up to date with what's going on here and um, just followed it all the way down, kind of stayed awake for like three, four days. And then I, I remember um, as I actually finally entered, the space was just dead. And it was just LinkedIn and a couple of others that were posting. And I was like, yeah, actually, do you know, this maybe this thing, apart from Binance bringing it back, that there is a narrative here and there, there might be some life to this. And then I think LinkedIn started sort of that burn initiative and everyone got on it. And then there's a room as people found the, Binance wallet and it was holding a shitload of coins and it's like oh god you know CZ's going to save the day and he's going to come buy the seventy percent of the coins and just burn them but it, but it did sort of start to trigger something and um over time it's sort of evolving it's getting bigger and bigger um the potential is definitely there in this chain um and I know we're looking at IBCs and I'm totally with a uh, coach on this that you know what if we can get parity. There's so much money that was invested. There's so much genius that was going on. We kind of just re-inherit even just a portion of that, and that just elevates this to another level. It kind of just brings me back to what we were saying earlier, or you guys were saying earlier about that fun narrative. And that is definitely something that starts to drive retail coming in, sometimes big investors or people just a shitload of money that want to throw it at something. And we came across, well, there was an idea that was brought up um, about a UST, it's going to end up hopefully being a UST proposal. And it does have that fun narrative. And actually, we just met yesterday, the guys in the room, I don't know if he'd want to come and talk about it or if you'd want to hear it, but from the sort of dumbass way of understanding it, the idea basically circulates around having what we could call destruction ust which is basically like a bitcoin down so it would give people the opportunity and this is a narrative i think give people an opportunity to basically if you wanted to short ust you'd be buying this dust and that will then correlate so as that goes down ust will then start to come up the liquidity pool created um which we could call our ust was the example restitution ust and that would start to lock away the ust itself. they're kind of working against each other until they find some sort of parity um, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that or if you'd be mad, mad this madman who's in the room. I don't know if you'd like to come up and talk about it and if you'd like to hear the idea. It's just a pretty crazy way of repegging this that it seems such a simple idea. Obviously, there's a lot to it. It just seems so effective to me. So I was just wondering if you'd seen it, had any thoughts on it or would like to know <laughs> I think the, any kind of repeg idea, the reality is that the to token supply is really big. And like, no matter what you did, no matter what kind of financial games or math you played, 
um, you know, there's a deficit of like $9 billion, which is a lot of money. So the thing is like, I don't think it's so straightforward to just, um, like take all of the UST in, in, uh, in, in, in the world at this point, and then make that go up back to a, a dollar with any kind of like straightforward mechanism. There's just like mathematically, there's no great way to do this. Now, how, you know, what an interesting concept I heard though is like it actually Bruce uh tell me what you think about this um Sunny Agarwal with Osmosis is like you know what like you could probably peg uh Luna Classic to a penny much more easy than it is to peg it to a dollar and I'm like wait a minute that actually would work because if you pegged it to a penny it's the 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 USCC's value would go with I mean have it, it can drop and then if you reinstate the Lunk Luna Classic uh, or the the mint burn mechanism, you that would actually cause uh, Luna Classic to be burned, not minted, and um, that could be very interesting, right? Because you'd have to mint more USTC to dilute it more to get it down to a penny, but then in the meantime, Luna Classic would burn, and you could reinstate the mechanism. How weird! How weird is that? And that was Sunny's idea from Osmosis. I'm like, holy shit, that actually would work. Like, forget about the dollar peg. Just make it a penny peg and call it a day. What do you think, Bruce? I don't understand fully how that would work. I mean, I kind of do. <laughs> like, well, what are the, one, what are the, well, remember, Luna class, the USTC right now, the entire market cap, number one, is lower than it is for Luna Lunk, right? So the collateral is there in Lunk for sure. All you'd have to do is get you reinstate the burn mint mechanism and because your value that you need to target is lower right right now it's like what three cents for USTC or something I get that what, but so, what, what are the um could anything go wrong like have you thought about that like what's the um well i guess people could speculate and go buy a bunch of USTC i suppose it goes the other way and it costs of inflation for a while but still the mechanism would just keep on minting right like it would mint until the USTC hit the lower level. So I don't think it could go wrong because I think most of the selling pressure for USTC is already down. So I think mm -hmm. it's doable. it might be doable. Yeah. And secondly, it would be like a reverse USTC or a reverse peg to Luna? No, it would be the same as it was before. The difference is you, you pegged a penny instead of a dollar. That would be the difference. But like, do you think this would achieve now, anything? It would but benefit. Here's the downside: it would benefit the lunk holder, but it would not benefit the USTC holder, right? So if you, but then again, at the same time, like most people that own USTC are already wrecked. Like, like I think most people are resigned to the idea that USTC could go to zero. So at this point, mm -hmm. if it goes to a penny, who cares? Kind of thing. Yeah. Hey, um, sorry to interrupt you guys. I, I do see Madman um, there. If if he's willing to come up and just talk about um, uh, his, his plan, I don't think it involves UST, uh, USTC. Uh, it involves two other types of coins and an inverse type of derivative, uh, which I can't explain. For, explain. Um, but I, I really, and I, there's a few people in the community um, that think it's a it's a pretty novel plan. Um, that he has, and if if he wants to come up and talk about it, uh, it'd be nice to give him a, a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Can I just add that I probably did a really bad job of explaining that, but um, he was explaining to us yesterday, and to be honest, I was pretty mesmerised by it. It does, um, from my understanding, it does include UST, but it basically is, is creating two other kind of, I think he's put it as, um, they're like der derivatives almost. So you, you'd have, um, it, it'd be an inverse, which would be the DUST. So it's almost like the Bitcoin down where, you know, people would start buying into that because they think the price UST is going to go down. So a way of shorting it and then a, an LP around that with another name of USTC. So as UST would be rising, that would actually go and then start locking away that liquidity. So as people buying into the DUST, it start, that, that pressure will start to push UST up with coins being locked away in the, the LP Thing. Again, so I'm not doing a great way of um, explaining yeah. it. He's in the room, so. Um, but, but no, no matter what you do, cash has to flow into the system, though, right? So yeah, you'd have to find a bunch of new people to play this game. Two, That's right. Two things, like I think, firstly, a visual would be a much better way to describe it, like <laughs> yeah. seeing what's happening, like a diagram or something. Secondly, like it feels like the the game is like you have to magic billions out of thin air and you have to put them into the system and you have to somehow unite people behind a narrative or a fun game or some way of like obfuscating what's actually happening which is trying to get billions out of thin air <laughs> put, put them in the system um otherwise i don't think you can do it like I, but then, yeah madman come up i've invited him to speak if he wants to yeah that that'd be great because it's um interesting you say that one of the ideas he had was about uh, gamifying it um, but yeah, if he's got the time to speak, um, I think it's a really interesting proposal. I did actually um, include Lunkdow. Um, I added Lunkdow into one of the posts that he wrote to someone in. It was May 22nd. So it was an idea he thought of pretty quick, but it just seemed he was getting a bit of pushback on it early. And I think it's even harder now because as you guys have seen, there's a lot of, um, uh, let's say, jostling for position. Um, it's interesting. Alex was in here earlier because I kind of would have liked to French shit into the fire a little bit and just kind of have it out but yeah i'll, I'll leave it there and um yeah just coach sefby thanks for everything you do um love following you when i first saw LinkedIn, i was like i want to work with these guys but uh, i don't work anymore <laughs> all right cheers guys oh by the way um i put uh, kingu who's uh used to hang out with us quite a bit here he posted something to me he's like look have a look at this mate this month's crypto narratives uh maybe can discuss in the spaces so if you i posted the tweet at the top and he's got like a little screenshot of like uh, some different things going on because I had asked like what kinds of things are happening. And like, I think there's a Solana conference November 4th to 7th. There's like, I don't know, um, like an e-gold conference, EGLD, November 3rd to 5th. That's probably why the e-gold is a little bit trickling upwards. Um, like, I don't know, there's, so he has a list of things here in case people are interested in saving that. If you want to attempt to, I guess, speculate on these things. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there you go. I wonder what would happen if you just made a rule of starting a grid bot like a week before all these things and just ending them on the day of the actual thing. Like well, ending it, with Adam, though, what happened was is the run up happened like, mm, I think Adam's pullback, right, happened, I think. A number of days before the conference, though. So I think you'd want to do this like in front run it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the like how you would do this, but 
Yeah, like even the, the the chain link thing, right? It's all meme effect. So as soon as I see a 2x, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to actually worry about like, did the staking actually open and all that shit? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, be like, ride the thing up and then call it a day. Yeah. Where the hell is Link on here, man? Have I been scammed by you again? Like, I, I went into Luna because you scammed me. And then have you scammed me with Link again? I'm already down like probably a few hundred dollars. <laughs> You, wait, what is it running now? Am I losing money? <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Um, just, just Jeffrey, not it's not a shill, but uh, when I was coming up, you mentioned about uh, bringing up some stuff to have a punt, and one I'm having a punt on that. Uh, oh, I hate shilling. I said I never do this, but don't be on the fence. Uh, have a look at PHA Bala Networker. It's one I'm punting on. I like it, but yeah, I'll pass over to you guys. And Madman, sorry for putting you on the spot, mate. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Oh yeah, he he posted. Mad put the um, put the like flow chart up at the top. Bruce, take a look at that. Uh, I'll have to at least you know start by saying that flow chart needs to be updated. You know, um, that's what I was kind of thinking like at the time. Um, it's not to say that I don't quite still think the same, but I think that perhaps some references you know need to be updated. Uh, changed to be more accurate to, you know, what my evolving vision uh, is turning out to be. And will. You know, what you're basically doing it. here is you're using the, like, whatever $300 million worth of value of USTC, and you are using that sort of as a uh, collateral to create a new stable coin in a sense, right? That's what's happening. Uh, not necessarily the collateral, the the collateral would actually have been, um, you know, initially my thought was that it would be an interchain collateral, um, that, you know, uh, Juno, um, you know, Juno users could, uh, you know, could deposit their Juno, uh, Kava users could deposit their Kava, Adam, you know, uh, Cosmos users for the Adam as well, et cetera. Um, and effectively in the long run, this would, produce a liquid staking derivative that would be tradable, you know, uh, one to one of the dollar uh, as it would be established by a a compounding liquidity pool um, with the two tradable assets being USTC and a rebase token that trails the price of the inverse price uh, action of USTC. Um, if you if, if, with some clever math, you can figure out the uh, you know by querying the um, the chain validators and you know for the price feeds, you can you know you can determine how much off UST is from the dollar and effectively establish a uh, you know a price for the token. And I, I took inspiration from Alter Protocol because they were establishing a uh, a rebase token that would trail one to one to um, you know to UST. And of course, because UST failed, that failed, um, and the developers kind of walked away. I, I understand that they walked away. I'm not sure if they were on uh, Terra 2 or if they, you know, they moved on to other chains. But needless to say, they don't seem to be wanting to play friendly with, uh, with me, at least, you know, to get the, you know, get the idea rolling. But initially, um, the intention was for this token uh, that trails the inverse price action of UST, um, collateral would be, you know, provided uh, in some shape, fashion or form. Um, you know, I thought about doing like a lock drop to, you know, to create a token launch, you know, maybe a stake drop. Um, I'm still floating the ideas. 
Um, I figured also, you know, you know, a, a type of, uh, you know, borrowing and lending protocol, you know, or, or something that could, you know, by, by providing collateral, you could, you know, you can mint and, you know, if any liquidations are to take place, you know, it would become property of the protocol um, such that we would, you know, maintain a protocol on liquidity and that token, you know, could stand, you know, within the tradable spaces that we have on Ashport and Terrace um, and any other decks that comes out there. Bruce, what's your guess as far as how many people on Luna Classic are just like they have their coins on Binance or something versus what's in like wallets? Is it like 80, 20 or something like that? Or, um, oh god, I'd have to look at stats. I know, anyway, like it, the about reason I'm asking, uh huh, go ahead. Something like 300,000 wallets were created though around staking time in the weeks preceding it, so a lot. I guess my my question is like how many potential like game players are there for Mad Madman's game in terms of like playing you know essentially you're attracting a DeFi crowd who's going to understand the nuances of this sort of thing and I remember playing with Alti Protocol and I couldn't understand what the fuck it did like <laughs> I just put some money in it and I was like playing around and like I don't know I think I lost money or it went down or something and I have no idea what I was doing I have no idea like what the game actually was so. Once you get to a certain complexity, it's like, wait, what am I doing with this thing? So that's the only other thing, Mad Men. It's like, number one is how many users are there that are actually using wallets versus just speculating on Binance? How many people are, you know, like potentially going to inject money into this, borrow and do different sorts of like, uh, I don't know, degen plays or whatever. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of unknowns, I think. It's not that it can't be done. I think uh, um, these kinds of protocols to... Uh, I'm not sure how complicated they are to code, so you'd want to make sure that like there's no bugs in that system and whatever, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really looking sure. for higher levels to kind of like really pick this shit apart. I've been waiting for your input since May, bro. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I, like, the reply is to your spaces. I don't you know. know. Back on the 21st, yeah, been... I don't know. Um, like so. Like you just proposed like this one idea about pegging it to a penny. Just imagine if this token was put out and, you know, <laughs> they go ahead and peg USCC to the penny. That would, that, that would basically, you know, mean uh, that shit. <laughs> no, if you peg this it would be to pegged penny, to, to 99. No, if you peg it to a penny, then you can easily introduce um, like the dollar version of this. Right. So it's not like you couldn't just simply. Have what that would make the, the stability of this thing a whole lot more easy, mm -hmm. you know, and exactly. to provide this, you know, this token, you know, that is as close to a dollar as possible, even still by binding the 99, uh, you know, cents for the, you know, for this matter in the one cent, you still get the dollar uh, valuation for the, uh, you know, the liquid staking derivative. And but into part that of the thing that was like, on, on chain. I wouldn't trust anyone to re-enable some sort of like pegging mechanism. Like, I'm not sure I would trust anyone outside of TFL to know how to do all that shit right. Right. So, like, this is not one of those things I'm like, yeah, Terra Rebels, you have no idea about stable coins for the last few years, but go for it. Um, this is probably not the type of project for that. I would say if they were willing to help and the TFL people said, yeah, like, okay, I can see how that might be fixable. And they're willing to sort of do the work in the background to help out and repair it or whatever and document it so that, like, in the future, the community could, uh, right have the proper documentation to make adjustments or whatever the hell 
um, I think that might be feasible. Like, I don't know, peg it to a penny and then you have a dollar version of this, like, I don't know, you know, Lunk T 100 token or something or whatever. And it, <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, represents, uh, like, and then that way, like numerically, it looks like a dollar, but on exchanges and stuff, like it'll, it'll look like a penny essentially that would be feasible. I think, um, now that doesn't necessarily solve all the problems of the, of, uh, an algorithmic stable coin, by the way, remember the thing is, if you have a stable coin only on your own blockchain, say for example, on Kujira or something, that's different, right? But remember part of the reason why de-pegging and all this sort of shit can happen is if you go to KuCoin or Binance or whatever, you, you know, like when they enable the possibility of shorting Luna Classic or shorting USTC, that again creates problems, right? So like the way to solve that problem would be whether it's a MEXC, whether it's Binance, whether it's a uh, KuCoin, these uh, major, uh, let's say, call them institutions for lack of a better word, these exchanges would have to promise to remit Luna Classic for exactly 0.01 of any stable coin of your choice. Uh, and, you know, and then promise that if they can't, then you have the same problem as you did before and you haven't really fixed the underlying system. Remittances was a big part of the problem. It wasn't just pegging. It was that these exchanges didn't guarantee a one-to-one -to, -one to the dollar, yet they advertised it as a stable coin, right? Um, they, but everyone knew everyone was relying upon external arbitragers, and you were hoping that the external ARBs were rich enough and had enough capital to be able to keep the peg. And that's exactly what didn't happen. The, the, the arbitrage institutions didn't have enough money. And that's why this, this occurred. And um, they didn't have enough capital to deploy fast enough. And even LFG and all that stuff was not enough. And um, it was just too much, right? So that hasn't been solved unless the exchanges agree to this too. And I think then you have a chance of a proper repeg. But it would need a coalition of like the exchanges, in my opinion. Like that's an important piece. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now, it's like, it wasn't so to it's say not quite that, decentralized you know, at that point, right? It's quasi, yeah. quasi decentralized. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, this was, you know, only to be like a long run scenario and, you know, an alternative solution uh, to UST. You know, this was this was intended to be a collateralized bet against UST, you know, for anyone because we for the fact that it, you know, it rides as a uh, an inverse price action token, it really is a short token. So anytime you want to short right. UST, you can, right, you know, right. you can long that. So, you know, I figured by providing that to the chain, it creates an added utility for, you know, for anyone who wanted to speculate, you know, in either direction on the price. And, you know, for those who wanted, uh, you know, the exposure to Delta neutral uh, type of, um, you know, yield growth, uh, through some kind of auto compounding protocol, because we have uh, Apollo and uh, Spectrum on the, you know, on the list and Eris, uh, you know, has uh, has Spectrum Protocols, you know, contracts. They have, you know, their opportunities, I figured, to provide, you know, some type of uh, extra yield to it, something, you know, something low, of course, um, you know, nothing outrageous like 19%, uh, you know, for, um, you know, for anything that was, uh, you know, put into the system. But I figured that if this was just, you know, kept to the chain and, and maybe at the most extended to, uh, you know, Terra 2, that this could reflect, you know, effectively remain safe. You know, um, it sounds like what you're speaking to yeah, is the sort Oracle of like problem. If you had and, this created from scratch, right, it'd be different. 
but USTC is already on these other exchanges already, right? That's the thing. Yeah, it's a bandaid on, you know, it's a layer two bandaid on the layer one. Uh, yeah, you're, you're already sort of like the cat's out of the bag and you're trying to like pull it back in sort of. It's, it's, a, it's a, I don't know. Can you blame me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand the rationale. I just like, uh, yeah, I totally understand the rationale behind what you're trying to do. It's just the, 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 the intention was to provide, you know, something to work with because, you know, a lot of us have a, uh, you know, have a unit bias. We want, you know, our things priced in ones. And if we could, you know, give the users something to use, they can, you know, go back to carrying on. Just imagine if, uh, you know, if cash came back and was, you know, and was allowing you to deposit your, uh, you know, your stuff in that liquid staking derivative. There's another, uh, there's another thing to this too. Remember, like, so Axelar USDC um, yeah. is out there. So the thing is, well, you know, are a lot of people just going to simply use that because they already have something that's denominated in ones. So they might choose that sort of safety or whatever you want to call it over any other provided options possibly. I don't know. Now, how well can that really stand with the matters of circle getting native uh, USDC on the IBC. How, how, how bad is that going to hurt for, uh, you know, for chains that deployed or for, you know, for DEXs that deployed a uh, liquidity pool that, you know, that uses the, the bridge version, you know, oh, excellent. We um, I don't know I'm not so sure about that. I'm just saying it's going to be a competitor to any kind of like any kind of uh, algorithmic or otherwise like decentralized stablecoin. That's going to be a considerable, I guess, competitor. Um, like if you look at how Terra behaved before, right? Like USDC or whatever had almost no bearing on the thing. Cause it was like not construed as a competitor, but now, um, I think people are going to consider using that instead of whatever sort of repegged USDC you might even have. So I don't know. I just don't know what the market is for it. That's the problem. Like, like if you look at, uh, take for example, the rebasing tokens that have otherwise been created in the crypto space. Like almost none of them are popular at all, and um, like even the one like we just mentioned was called um, shit. Uh, the one on Terra that was uh, that you just mentioned earlier. Anyway, the uh, point Alti is protocol. Alti, yeah, ALTE. Like even that, like a nobody understood it. B, like you never heard from the team or anything, and then C, like you know nobody cared to use it. Really, it was had very low volume. So. Yeah, I saw some of that kind of reaction with Ampleforth, um, and it was effectively that you know those are the only two that I had uh, that I could think of you know that would answer you know how to you know contract and expand the supply as necessary you know without you know going that going far into like a mint burn type of uh, you know problem because that would just be reinventing the broken wheel and. <laughs> To that end, you know, I, I figured the rebasing would be, you know, would answer that problem for me. Now, there was this proposal, I think, um, by uh, Alex, you know, and initially it was a matter of, you know, um, when there's downward pressure on the USTN, you know, that, you know, I guess the Treasury would airdrop more USTN to, you know, the current holders um, as a counteraction. And I'm th I'm, I was wondering how that would be any, you know, any different. You know, it, it, Notwithstanding the fact that I, uh, as I understand it, the USTM was supposed to be a layer one solution. I, I don't know if it was supposed to be layer two or, mm. you know, or not, but as I understand it, you know, we're, we're still, you know, if we're doing it, you know, in a different way, you know, like, I guess there's more than one way to the deli as long as we get our T's. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
um yeah not sure i'm i'm not even sure like 100% like uh, none of us have the level of expertise that like the tfl people have as far as like these stable coins as such and um it's almost like whatever it was i'd have to like run it by them i no, i really don't know if these things would work at all um or at least someone that's done a rebasing token in the past and things like that to get an idea of like the pros and cons cuz they would understand the the battle right a little bit better so I don't know if maybe the Alti protocol people are worth reaching out to on Twitter or something, see if they'll respond to. Yeah, they said their source is closed. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, thank you. Come again. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, anyway, um, Bruce, I think I'm going to jump. I've got to like go take care of some things this evening. Um, we've been on a bit. Are you going to be around later? Mm, no, I'll probably go to bed. I've got a um, yeah, do that. <laughs> I've to. got a weightlifting competition with 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 uh, zero XZs for who can lift a certain amount of weight in like uh, as soon as possible, and the loser pays the other one. <laughs> so, I've got, so he's I like have a, a football game to get back to, and some Halloween movies to make up with my lady. Yep, so, hit it, man. Thank you, guys. Right, guys. You know, yep, I appreciate the time. Yep, catch you later. All right, yeah, see you later. Thank you. Thank you, Marjorie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the two-part Chepe Space Lunk Dow. Who are they really? Recorded on Tuesday, November first, two thousand twenty-two. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Watching these debates like what a bunch of noise When the illusion of choice outmaneuvers your voices No one really knows what the fuck is going on here Sitting in the bunker, waiting for the all clear It's like we're getting steered towards the motherfucking iceberg Captain all drunk deciphering where the ice lurks And we thought 2020 was gonna be a nice year Living with the plague like, who brought the mice here? Try to think of it as another simulation Game full of bugs, but it's still fun to play It's like we're aliens, beta testing earth Digging in the dirt, trying to earn a little girth the beast is silent when it defeats the riders living outside trying to meet this virus if you want to watch it all burn from the sky rise delete the science and increase the righteous living like a jerk return to feed the worms vibing like a tree just breathing out the words be careful outside them police is violent feeling like i finally earned some peace and quiet piece of pie first trying to be the fat kid you least admire feast of fire when the beasts of burden are getting all bored but at least we're certain we found the imposter living among us fussing with hunches another big chungus bludgeon don't worry the fungus will clean up the guts and get us to function on fleeting assumptions i see through the rust from rush to rush shower stacked up like a bunch of junk so hush your muff before we stuff your luck and break your fucking neck to this like bust a bust Bleeding impulsive, the meeting controls it When breathing corrosive, no eating the bullshit Feeling the worth like it's gonna be a good year Now we're all tired, stop treading on the work here
Chill Spaces.